Eleanor wrote today. I should have been glad to hear from her, given that she is my twin sister and I love her dearly, but it would be untruthful to say the contents of her letter pleased me. Her new husband, Lord Ashington, has been called away on business, and she's asked me to come to London to keep her company during the last two months of her confinement. Can you imagine? Me, in London? My family says I must get my nose out of my books and begin to live in the world around me. It is true I've never been further afield than a day trip from home, and that I have never slept a night outside my own bed. But why would I ever want to leave when I have my books to keep me company? And a trip to London is not without its perils. I could very well end up like one of the characters in my beloved stories, snubbed by the popular crowd, whispered about behind lace fans, or worse, led astray by a handsome villain and then abandoned to my fate. Yet how could I not go? Eleanor is my sister, and she needs me. So I shall put on a brave face, pack a trunk, smile if I must, but I can't help but wonder, which worries me more? The many things that could happen in London— or the thought of seeing Eleanor with her handsome new husband and her shining, lovely life, and everything I am afraid of wanting. Chapter 1 London, May the 29th, 1858 The smell should have been worse. She'd expected something foul, air made surly by the summer heat. Just last week, she'd read about the Thames, that great, roiling river that carried with it the filth of the entire city and choked its inhabitants to tears. Her rampant imagination, spurred on by countless books and newspaper articles, had conjured a city of fetid smells, each more terrible than the last. But as Miss Mary Channing opened her bedroom window and breathed in her first London morning, her nose filled with nothing more offensive than the fragrance of flowers. Disconcerted, she peeked out over the sill. Dawn was just breaking over the back of Grosvenor Square. The gas lights were still burning and the windows of the other houses were dark. By eight o'clock, she imagined industrious housemaids would be down on their knees, whiting their master's stoops. The central garden would fill with nurses and their charges, heading west toward Hyde Park. But for now the city, and its smells, belonged solely to her. She breathed in again. Was she dreaming? imagining things as she was often wont to do. She was well over two hundred miles from home, but it smelled very much like her family's ornamental garden in Yorkshire. She didn't remember seeing a garden last night, but then she had arrived quite late, the gaslight shadows obscuring all but the front steps. She'd been too weary to think, so sickened by the ceaseless motion of the train, that she'd not even been able to read a book, much less ponder the underpinnings of the air she breathed. 
She supposed she might have missed a garden. Good heavens, she probably would have missed a funeral parade, complete with an eight-horse coach and a brass band. After the long, tiresome journey, she'd only wanted to find a bed. And yet now, at five o'clock in the morning, she couldn't sleep. Not on a mattress that felt so strange, and not in a bedroom that wasn't her own. Pulling her head back inside, she eyed the four-poster bed, with its rumpled covers and profusion of pretty pillows. It was a perfectly nice bed. Her sister, Eleanor, had clearly put some thought into the choice of fabrics and furniture. Most women would love such a room, and most women would love such an opportunity— Two whole months in London, with shops and shows and distractions of every flavour at their fingertips.